God is good. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And it's good that you are here this morning. I'm so glad you're joining us. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you for joining us all around the country. We have people out of town. I know that people are joining us via live stream. Uh, guys, would you just look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And if you lied, repent. <laughs> It's a good day. Welcome to Advent One at Springhouse uh, this year. As I conveyed to you last week, uh, this is not actually the actual Advent One, but this is the Advent One for Springhouse, and uh, and we're celebrating it today because we're not going to have a, a, a service on Christmas Eve that Sunday, and so we shifted things back because we want all of what God has for us in this season, and we wanted to start uh, right away. So we are celebrating Advent One today. I'm super excited. Just real quick, this coming weekend, the best Christmas pageant ever opens here on Springhouse Theater stage, and I want to encourage you to make plans to attend. It is going to be one of our shorter shows, uh, but it's going to be packed with excellence. And I just encourage you to bring a friend, bring family, uh, and, and let this, if you have capacity, let this be a part of your Christmas this year. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. I know you won't regret it. So come and be a part, uh, a part of that. Also, next week, next week, we are going to baptize some folks. And uh, so if you are interested and you've never been water baptized and you would like to be a part of that, if you'll see one of our pastoral team, uh, today. We will get you that information, but next week's going to be a very special week as we baptize a few folks. So uh, if that's you, come and come and see us. We'd like to, we'd like to get you signed up and get you baptized. Does that sound good? All right. Well, it is Advent 1, and we're going to stand, and we're going to read together a scripture from Isaiah and two scriptures, scriptures from Matthew. Are we ready? Let's read with gusto, friends. For to us, a child is born... To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And lastly, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I thank you for your word and how transformative it is in our lives. I ask today, Lord, that our hearts would be open and receptive to the words that you have for us, God, and Lord, that we would access everything you have for us in it. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, so it is Christmas time, and you know, one of the uh, special parts of Christmas is the ability to give and receive gifts. Who likes to receive gifts? Who likes to give gifts? Who likes to do both? Yeah, so it is a gift-giving season, and, uh, and we're talking, uh, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about gifts today, but uh, I want to tell a story that I told a couple of years ago, so if you've heard this story, just hang on for the ride. Some of you haven't heard this story, uh, but uh, you know, back, in the, back several years ago, I used to be in the day-in, day-out of the inner workings of the school down the street. You know, many of you know that Sherry and I operate a school uh, down the road, and um, and I'm, you know, I'm in and out of the operations of the school and Christmas has always been a really special time over at our school. And 
Um, especially for the staff and, and the teachers and, and whatnot. We do a party, we get together, all of these, all of these things. Well, well, well before the gym was built, so this is like way back, um, there was a teacher there um, and, and she was there for, for a long time. I'm gonna call her Miss Sue because I don't wanna give her name away. So Miss Sue was there. Miss Sue was one of the teachers that everybody loved. Everybody loved this teacher. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can think back in your schooling. There was this teacher that you just connected with and you loved. And part of her MO is she just would connect with everybody. She would be very intentional with her, with her, with her love, with her time. She was so generous in her spirit and her heart. And so, and so all of the, all of the, the students, all of the students just loved Miss Sue. And so, um, Christmas would come around and every Christmas, Miss Sue would make out like explosives. I mean, it was like, you know, a conveying of, let me show you how much I appreciate you. And I mean, people would come out of the woodworks with $100 bills, gift cards, trips on cruises. I mean, it was crazy. And we would get into the staff party. We, we, um, we didn't have as much uh, income as we have now. So we would do like a potluck Chris, uh, Christmas party in the, in the little room at the end. And we would come in and the teachers would bring in and we they would talk about, well, how'd you make out, you know, this year? What did the students get you? And, and Miss Sue would always come in and she didn't, she didn't really say a whole lot because she knew that she was always on top of the, you know, top of the pyramid. She would always make out a lot better than the rest of the, 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 the staff or the teachers. Well, this particular year, um, I decided to get Miss Sue a gift. And, and I was in a season of my life where I was not a very good gift giver. Uh, but, I, but, I, but, I, but I got her this gift. It was a porcelain plate and it had this saying on it, right? And so so I was like, I'm going to give this to you because that saying makes me think of you, you know, well, yada, yada. So I give her this plate and, uh, and she opens it and boy, you would have thought I'd given her a hundred dollar bill. She was so excited about it. You know, I was like, oh man, that really blesses my heart. Well, come to find out through the grapevine, actually through gossip, it was, um, she hated the plate. In fact, she, she went so far as to tell people like, this is the type of gift that I cannot stand. I loathe these types of gifts. Well, a year goes by. And of course, you know, if you're the one getting the gift and hearing the information, that kind of sticks in your mind. So a year goes by and it's the next Christmas. And uh, we're in there and I'm thinking, man, I've got I've to do something a lot better, you know, this year. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to, I'll just get her a gift card to her favorite restaurant. And that's, and that's what I did. So we get there and we, this, that particular year, we happen to draw names and and she actually drew my name. She drew my name and she drew my name and she got me a gift. And I went in there and I opened the gift. Do you know what the gift was? It was that plate. She had forgotten who she get, who she received the plate from and she regifted the plate to me. I was offended. I, I was, I was kind of upset and I didn't know what to say. Like what, it's an awkward thing. What, why are you giving this back? I thought it was, I thought it was a joke, but I remember hearing how much she hated that plate. And I know that she went, so I was like, man, this is, this is horrible. I'm going to have to pay her back for this. So the next year, the next year, uh, I go into her classroom. Now, she is a, she's a little bit of an upscale gal, you know, so obviously she don't like, she doesn't like those porcelain plates with sayings, but I went in and I, and I went into her for, how, how many know that you can get kids to do just about anything? Uh, and I went into her classroom to all these kids who love Miss Sue. And I said, guys, how many here want to bless the socks off of Miss Sue this year? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I'm going to tell you what you do. 
for Christmas this year, I want you to go to the Dollar Tree and I want you to get those little cardinal porcelain bells for a dollar. You know what I'm talking about? Those little porcelain bells. Miss Sue loves those cardinal bells. Do not get her anything else. She does not want money. She doesn't want gift cards. She is collecting these cardinal bells. Make sure you get it. So Christmas time happens and these kids are walking in with the most outlandish wrapping. I mean, just big, all this stuff. And every single one of them, a porcelain bell a porcelain bell. So here we are at the staff gathering or whatnot and everybody's coming in and somebody got a trip and they got a hundred dollars and Val walks, oh, Miss Sue, sorry, <laughs> gave it away. She walks in and she says, and she, and she, her eyes are just bugged eye, just so big. And she is just hot. And she's like, these kids got me these porcelain bells this year. And I said, but Miss Sue, aren't you grateful? <laughs> aren't you grateful that they got you? Now, the point of this story is nothing more than to say, I am a horrible person. <laughs> and, uh, and to say, and to say the gift that you give, uh, the gift that you give, the gift you receive, what you do with the gift is very important. What you do with your gift is very important. The very best gift that we have been given is Jesus Christ. The very best gift that we have been given is Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing with your gift? What are you doing with this gift of Jesus? I think it's easy for us to say, to wear a t-shirt, to put it on the screen, to say Christmas is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's the greatest gift. He was a gift given to me. He saved my sin. And then to put him on a shelf like a cardinal bell and let dust collect on him. What are you doing with the gift of Jesus that you have been given? My favorite gift, I've evolved over time. I give better gifts now than porcelain plates with sayings on them. But my favorite gift is the gift of experience. My favorite gift to give is the gift of experience because what I have learned is that when you experience things with someone, you grow in deeper relationship with them. You, you have core memories with them. And I enjoy getting gifts of experience. And I enjoy giving the gift of experience. Jesus has given you the gift of a daily experience with him. What are you doing with this? What are you doing with this gift? So as we examine Jesus as the best gift, it's not like we have the person, the body, the flesh body of Jesus Christ with us. So it's kind of like, okay, I got this best gift. I, I don't actually have a tangible representation. So what does this actually mean? Guys, what we've actually been given through Jesus is access. Would you say access? What you've been given through Jesus is access. Jesus came to give you access to a holy God. Jesus came to give you access to a holy God. Guys, access is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. My kids do not have to ask me to come into my room at the house or to go, in, uh, to go into to, to the cupboard at our house. They have access. Maybe you have access to some of your friends' things. I've got some friends that I can walk right into their house and, uh, and grab a cup of coffee. In fact, this is my friend Cole Burkett. And... Um, <laughs> 
And uh, I remember when I was his youth pastor, this is many, many years ago. I remember as his youth pastor, I remember the first time Cole came to my, we lived in Nolensville. He came over to my house, walked straight into my house, straight to my refrigerator, grabbed something to eat and sat on the couch without saying anything to anyone in the room. And I thought to myself, Cole believes I love him. And I did, and I did. Now Cole's over, sometimes he's sleeping on the couch, his shoes are over at the house. Now, now that you're married, it's a little, it's a little better, but, but I'm like, Cole, go home. Um, no, but, but Cole, Cole had access. Why did Cole have access? Because I love Cole. Not everybody has access to my home. Not everybody has access. Access conveys trust. Trust deepens your intimacy and intimacy conveys love. So the deeper access that you have, the more loving or the more in love or the more you love a person. And Jesus loves you so much. He came and paid a price of death, death for every one of us so that we could have access to him. What are you doing with your access In the Old Testament, there are prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah. The prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying about the birth of Jesus, about this king that was gonna come and save the world. And to us, because we're on this side of the resurrection, that it doesn't seem like a far-fetched, it doesn't seem extraordinary, but to them, it very much was. Because up to that point, God was for them, but God was not with them. Do you understand? But now because of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, the access that we have to a holy God, not only is God for you, but God is with you. God is with you. He is with you in your going and your coming. He's with you when you have troubles and when everything's going great. He's with you when you need a healing touch. He's with you whenever everything's going well. He is with us. What are you doing with your access? What are you doing with your access today? Over in the Old Testament, before, before Jesus arrived on the, uh, on the scene, there was a barrier. There was a big barrier between us and God. And the only way to cross over the barrier was to go through a series of rituals in atonement for your sin, which required the sacrifice for animals. I can't imagine. We are such pansies these days. There would be nobody here that would be able to sacrifice animals and be able to do those things. You had to really be, it's crazy. Did I just call you guys pansy? I'm sorry. I'm a pansy. Okay. But there was this, this, there is this door there, or there's this, this barrier between us and a holy God. And Jesus came to to give us access. He came to give us access so that the barrier would be removed. All we have to do is open the door. All we have to do is open the door. In fact, I would even go as far to say that Jesus didn't just come and give us access and, and, and want us to open the door. Not only has he given us access, but he is in relentless pursuit of you. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter three, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with them. I will eat with them. Jesus wants you in his, his world. Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. He has given us access. He's given us access is your door open? This is the greatest message of hope for all of mankind that we as people, as humans, would have a connection, real true access. 
to a living God. No other religion can compare to our, our walk, our journey, because our God is alive. And not only is he alive, he's coming back again. He did it the first time, he's coming back a second time, guys. And I cannot wait for him to split the sky open and take us home. How about you? How about you? What are you doing with your access? Let me tell you what the book of Hebrews says about our access. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Guys, do you understand what that means there? What that's saying is he relates to us. He is not on this. He is, he is enthroned. He is a king, but he made himself so like us that he can empathize with your pain, empathize with your weakness, empathize with the things you're walking through. He is not, it is not foreign to him, the things that you are stepping through in your life. You have access to this type of God, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Listen to what this says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When's the last time you approached God's throne with confidence as if he was a king who did what he said he would do? What are you doing with your access? What are you doing with your access? Now, I'm about to tell you guys something that's gonna send a bit of shockwave through the church, okay? Might want to stone me a little bit later. I don't know, but I'm about to tell you something that's going to rock your world. And I believe it is an epiphany for most. And I believe that you guys are going to really grow from hearing this truth. We need to hear this truth. And here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? You think you're ready. Are you ready? Christmas doesn't have to be stressful. Christmas doesn't have to be Stressful. The reason Christmas ends up being stressful is because we say Jesus is at the center and then we do, 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 do everything else around him. What would it look like if Christmas truly elevated and exalted Jesus as the king and we tapped into the access we have to him so that he could convey to us everything he has for us. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas doesn't have to be stressful. What are some of the things that make Christmas stressful? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go over four of them today. First thing is this, a packed calendar. Can I tell you that it is okay to have days with nothing on the agenda? It is okay for you to have white spots on the calendar that are completely open and free. Now I'm speaking from somebody who wasn't very good at this and I'm getting better and evolving. But the more I evolve and realize that capacity and margin is so important, the more I realize that God has things for me in that margin. Here's the thing. When you are obedient to the no, he makes the yes that much sweeter. 
When you are obedient to the no, you are able to be fully immersed into every yes that he has given you. You do not have to have a packed calendar. Over at the school, we used to, every year, we used to do the Smyrna Christmas Parade. Who's been to the Smyrna Christmas Parade, okay? If you like the Smyrna Christmas Parade, nope, that's great. Wonderful, more power to you. Here's the deal. We were in this parade for like three or four years. And the thing is, is I'm wired that if we're gonna do something, we need to do it. Well, and so we had 250 kids marching this parade. We had money involved. We had floats involved. Everybody was in a costume. It was a show within itself, just our portion of the parade. We won it every year, basically every year. And I, and I, and I think it's a wonderful thing that Smyrna does. But then I got home on that fourth parade and I got in bed and I was so achy. And I said, Lord, why are we doing this? And you know what the Lord said to me? I don't know why you're doing it. Why are you doing it? (laughs) And I started to realize that while doing the parade is such a wonderful thing to do, we have the Christmas extravaganza, Christmas tournament at the school. We have midterm exams. We had Christmas parties. We had Christmas chapels all within two weeks because we're out for two weeks of school, right? It's too much. And it was overtaxing the people. And I realized, God, I'm so sorry. I signed us up for things that I didn't consult you about. I ha- I'm doing things, I'm dragging people. And you know, as a leader, when you make that type of decision, you drag everybody with you. And I was dragging all these people. I was like, if I'm achy and down, what are all of the people that serve so joyfully around me? So we laid down the, the, doing the, the Christmas parade, not because we don't like the Christmas parade, but because God didn't tell us to do it. God didn't tell us. This is a picture of us during COVID at our house. If you talk to my wife, my wife will tell you that one of her favorite seasons in life with our family was the season with COVID. Not the season that we had COVID, but the season of COVID. Not that she wanted people getting sick, but we spent more time together as a family during COVID than we have in any season in our life. And it wasn't that we weren't hanging out with other friends, but we were way more intentional about who we hung out with and when we hung out with them. What would it look like if we took that intentionality and applied it to everyday life? How much more depth would be in our relationships? in our friendships. If we took intentionality, instead of trying to do everything with everybody, we did more of you. And we cultivated those relationships more meaningful. It's favorite season of, the li- of, of our life. A packed calendar is a stressor on Christmas. I wonder if God chose the shepherds to reveal the glorious message of what was to come because they were simply doing what they were supposed to do, waiting, just doing exactly what they had been assigned and they had the capacity to hear the message. If we are going, 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 I'm telling you, God has stuff he wants to say to you. Every person in this room, God has some stuff he wants to say to you. He wants to reveal to you. If we are constantly moving and constantly going, he may be talking all day long, but we don't have the ability to listen to him. And then we wonder why we are broken and failed and, and crazy and stressed and sick and all of these things. God wants to be involved with your calendar. A packed calendar will lend toward a stressful Christmas. God tends to show up in the quiet places. I remember the story of Elijah. The God's voice was not in the fire. It was not in the earthquake. It was not in the wind. All these grandiose things. It was in the quiet whisper. The quiet whisper of his voice. 
So what do you do? Maybe you're looking at your calendar now and you're like, oh, gee, I'm already, I'm doubled up on every day of the month that I'm looking at the calendar. What do I do when everybody needs me? Everybody wants me, everybody. You have access. You have access to a God where you can say, Lord, would you be involved with my 25 days this year in December? Would you tell me what I'm supposed to say yes to and what I'm supposed to say no to? And guess what? If you said yes to something you're supposed to say no to, it's real simple. You go right to that person. You say, listen to me. I am so sorry, but I gave you a yes when it was supposed to be a no. Would you please forgive me? I want to walk in obedience to the Lord. And if you're dealing with a Christian, I hope that they will look at you and say, amen. If you're dealing with a non-Christian, let the Lord deal with it. You be obedient to him. You be obedient to the Lord. Listen to him. You have access. Here's number two, stressor for Christmas, broken or absent relationships. I went through a season not too long ago with a broken friendship in the season of Christmas. It was not fun. I woke up thinking about that relationship. I went to bed thinking about that relationship. I thought more about that broken relationship than I thought about Jesus. And it was only because I finally went to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I can't do anything with this, that he began to do a mending and a healing work in my heart. Some of you right now, you are contending with broken and fractured relationships. And so Christmas is hard because maybe there's separation or there's, there's hurt or pain or any of those things. Or maybe, maybe this year you've lost somebody who is real close to you. You lost a loved one. And so it's very hard to get completely zoned into the season because you lost somebody that you loved. You're remembering somebody you loved. And so it can be a real stressor, especially when we put the vices on top of it to soothe the pain. So what do you do? What do you do when you have fractured relationships or, or you're dealing with wounds from pain, from losing a loved one? Guess what? You have access. You have access to a king who will, who, will, who will shine his great light on you, who will bring healing to your heart, who, will, who can mend supernaturally relationships that you never thought could be mended. Over in Ephesians, it says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as in Christ God forgave you. Do you know there's a lot of times I don't feel like doing any of this? I need strength. Where does my strength come from? It comes from the access that I have to the king. What are you doing with your access? Over in John, when Jesus is talking to Martha after Lazarus had died, I love the compassion of Jesus. I love that he cried with the sisters. I love that he was right there. And this is what he said. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked this question. I want to ask you this question. Do you believe this? Guys, sometimes we say we believe things that we actually don't believe. And how do we get to the side of actually believing what we say we believe? It's by spending time in the presence of the one that we have access to. If spending time with Jesus is awkward, it's because you're not spending enough time with him. 
And what we so often do at Christmas, instead of leaning into this gift, instead of embracing the access and the healing that comes from it and all of the things that he has to give for us to us through that gift, we surround it with all these other things. It's Jesus and this, it's Jesus and that, it's Jesus and that. What would it look like if Christmas was about him? What are you doing with your access? Number three stressor at Christmas is worry. What are you worried about? I'm worried about the affairs of the world. The economy is crazy. I'm worried about the government. Guys, the government's not getting better ever. 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 I'm worried about my finances in my home. I'm worried about uh, supplying food and gifts for my kids. I'm, I'm worried about my relationships. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Worry can produce a stressful Christmas. So what do you do with your worry? What do you do with your worry? Guess what? You have access. You have access to a king who says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This king gives you the ability to relinquish your worry, to relinquish your anxiety. Jesus said over in Matthew, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the, the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer to that question is no. Worry. It's a stressor and it doesn't have to be because you have access to a king. And lastly, misplaced worth. This one right here caused some of you to go in debt over the last 72 hours because you felt like you needed to buy the biggest and the greatest gifts for the people that you say you love because you needed so much affirmation from them. Your worth and your identity can only be found in your creator. And guess what? I've got good news for you today. You got access to him. You've got access to this king who conveys great worth, who has extraordinary things to say about you, who has wonderful promises to proclaim over you. What are you doing with your access? We work so hard to find worth in all the wrong places. We need to find worth in Jesus Christ. We need to find our worth in this God that we have access to. Over in the book of Psalm, it says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you, why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then it says, I know that full well. Friends, do you know that full well today? Do you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Over in Luke it says this, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies yet? Not one of them forgotten by God. You are not forgotten by God. You are not forgotten by this king. Indeed, every, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. Boy, any one of these things could cause us to be afraid. The word tells us that perfect love drives out all fear. Guess what you have access to? Perfect love. You are worth more than many sparrows. The greatest gift, listen, friends, the greatest gift you've been given 
is access to Jesus. And yeah, we're gonna spend the next few weeks, I'm sure we're gonna see inflatables and we're gonna see hopefully maybe some snow. We're gonna eat some stuff. We're gonna have presents, 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 gifts, 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 stuff, shelf life. I said crap last week, I'm gonna say it again, crap. Here's the deal. You can have Christmas without the presence, but you cannot have Christmas without the gift of Jesus. Christmas is not a secular holiday. We as believers believe Christmas is the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. He's the center. All the other stuff, secular stuff, it's fun. We, we do it, but it is about Jesus Christ. It is about the access that we have to him. And so here's the real question that hopefully should be burning at your heart today as you are in this place is this, is Jesus really enough? Because friends, let me tell you something. I don't know what else Jesus can do to chase after us. He gave his life. He's, he's in a waiting period right now, waiting for all men to come unto him. He's standing at the door knocking. He's prepared a table. He has great blessing and promise for you. What else do you want from Jesus? He's giving you all access and you do not have to be in the puddle of brokenness and despair. He is your wonderful counselor. He is your mighty God. He is your everlasting father and he is your prince of peace. But guys, for us, even more so, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he can be with you in this season, every single moment, every single day, if you'll let him. What are you doing with your access today? What are you doing with your access to this king? He is a gracious, wonderful God. And so what we're gonna do for the next few moments is we have a special, I've asked Garner to come and do this song. And this might be perhaps a little awkward for, for some of you in the room. And I would just probably answer with saying, we've got an eternity waiting ahead of us to spend time with Jesus. So let's maybe carve out the five, 10 minutes that we got right now. I'd like to invite you to make your chair your altar. I'd like to invite you into the altar space if you'd like. I'd like to invite you to stand if you want. But I want us to zero in on the truth that's being conveyed in this song. And I want us to spend time with him. Is your calendar full already? Are you contending with a broken relationship? Have you lost somebody near and dear to you? Are you worried and stressed about stuff going on around you? Or have you devalued your worth by listening to everyone else except for the one who made you? All of these things can be remedied, every one of them, exponentially better, more so than you could ever imagine by just spending time with your Savior. So let's worship just for the next few minutes together and access this incredible God.